as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Elliot Schneer, COO of Fundable, about the key factors that investors look for when deciding to invest in you. Elliot shared incredibly thorough insights on topics ranging from idea to traction to funding. He also talked with us about their strategies behind acquiring companies like LaunchRock and what makes them opt to build something in-house. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute to thank CodeShip for sponsoring the show. CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple and easy, and we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship 
to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using CodeShip to deploy your product in a better way. We'd also like to thank Envision App. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. This comes complete with unlimited screens and unlimited collaborators. Trust me, this is an essential tool for teams of all sizes. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Elliot Schneer, the COO of Fundable. Elliot, welcome. Thank you so much, guys. Excited to uh, have a chance to chat. Absolutely. So uh, for those that may not know, um, give us the quick pitch of Fundable. Sure. Uh, Fundable is trying to solve a connectivity problem between entrepreneurs all over the United States, inside and outside of Silicon Valley, and investors, investors ranging from traditional angel investors all the way to what we call expert investors whom may have the ability to change the way a deal is commercialized. So one of the neat examples around fundable would be if you're doing something in consumer-facing technology, while it may be advantageous to go after a traditional angel group, you may actually get more bang for your buck, so to speak, by engaging with somebody that was a former executive buyer at Best Buy, putting $50,000 into the deal. So it's, uh, it's certainly an exciting problem. And you know, with crowdfunding being at the stage it's at, we're, we're still you know, always learning and growing with this thing. So um, what's the difference between fundable and an angel list? One of the primary differences is one of our, one of our significant hypotheses at fundable is raising money and creating a widget or designing a, a beautiful piece of consumer-facing technology can be two very different disciplines. So at Fundable, not only do we give you the functionality to connect with investors, but we also have a team here in-house which will do everything from help you with some level of diligence to write the copy that will be on your Fundable profile, uh, all the way through helping you write press pitches or social tweets around trying to gain some social proof or traction in that way. Wow, that's that's really cool. Um, so what would, um, are the terms any different when you're raising money than a traditional uh, VC route? No, it's, it was really important for us to give the entrepreneurs a tremendous amount of flexibility in, in how they want to raise. And one huge misnomer with an equity-based crowdfunding, which we do, is that you're trying to raise $1,000 from 1,000 people. And we don't recommend that at all at this point. You know, being that we're all serial entrepreneurs and I've raised money in Silicon Valley, I couldn't imagine having a thousand people on my cap table. So when we say crowdfunding, we're indicating that you actually have the ability to seamlessly market to a larger crowd, not that you're actually going to take investment from a crowd. Um, so that's that, that's oftentimes something that takes some level of clarity within fundable. Um, what was the the other half of the question? I'm sorry. I was just wondering if the, the terms were different for everyone oh, the that term, invests. Okay, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, as you can imagine, 
it's been a very long day already. It's only 16. <laughs> so term flexibility, there, there are a lot of other sites that stratify you into specific terms. We allow the entrepreneurs to set their own terms. Now that being said, so whether you're doing convertible debt or more traditional subscription-based equity, we do have an approval process. We don't go through and underwrite deals per se, but we try to keep away from people that have a pre-revenue product with no traction, trying to raise $250,000 on a $90 million valuation, right? Uh, it's important to us because we, we really try to, to keep our entrepreneurs merchandising next to other great entrepreneurs. And oftentimes that's, that's what's predicated what I think is probably the best investor population online right now, which is the fundable investors. Interesting. So, so how do you help match up the right investors with the right companies? Or do you just expect that they'll kind so of figure it, it out on their own? Yeah, we don't match. Uh, anytime you, you match, you cross into the broker-dealer territory. So we don't act as a broker-dealer. Uh, we're simply the meeting ground. And we do have algorithmic-based algorithmic information that goes out uh, based on what the investor's criteria is coming in. So. If you say, I'm looking for something in biotech in San Diego, I'll up to $25,000 investment. And that's kind of your, your, ge your geography, your industry, and your dollar amount. Then you'll only see, see deals like that. Um, the rest of it's really up to the entrepreneur. So unless they're going to get some type of algorithmic output, or they're lucky enough to have enough traction to be, to be in our overall investor newsletter, um, it, it's it's matched algorithmically, not by us, you know, pitching deals to, to investors that are unfundable. And at this point, is it open for anybody to put their company on fundable? Yes, if, if, if you're approved, yeah. And, and again, we're not underwriting the deal, so we're not acting, asking you guys to, the entrepreneurs to prevent, present tax information or, you know, dig into your pro forma financials, but we do try to hold ourselves in a high regard, so, we do have an approval process and we have an approval team. Do you see any trends um, as to when to go and raise money um, off fundable? Like if I have no traction and I just have an idea, are you, do you guys still see success in that? Or are there certain metrics that you're looking, that you typically look to hit? Well, here's what's cool. Because we're the biggest, you know, through, we've either built it or bought it, you know, whether it's Launchrock or Startups.co or any of the other companies under our umbrella, we see about 15,000 deals a month. Um, so 15,000 entrepreneurs engage us every single month, which is a pretty substantial data set. And we've got real humans here that are actually reaching out, taking people through a very dialogue-based funding diagnostic. Very few companies are in a position where they need outside capital from investors or debt. Um, now, of course, very few is a, is a relative term because there's millions upon millions, but we find that a lot of people come to us at the idea stage and, and don't understand that there are steps that need to be taken before you get to that, that point where it would make sense to take on some outside investment. I typically say when you're demand, you know, there, there's, there's typically kind of a parity between demand and capacity. And when your demand substantially outweighs capacity and you can prove that, then there's an opportunity to take on some type of investment. So in other words, if you've got, if all of a sudden Best Buy orders 5,000 widgets and you don't have enough dry powder to build those things, well, that's an incredible time to go take on some cash. Or 
you've got some type of traction and you're trying to get to a milestone to prove just how big a market could be. But it's got to be fairly purposeful, right? Um, nobody's going to put money into a, a deal just to, because they like you and they want to see you go out and validate an abstract idea. Sure. So have you found anything that works for early stage valuations? I mean, is there a process that you go by when maybe there's not much revenue to base you know, a pre-money valuation off of? It's interesting, guys. It's like, it, it's like buying homes. In that way, you, you've got to be conscious of what's on the market and what you know, the numbers that deals trade at. And when you look at those deals, you know, I'll, I'll quickly go through it as quick as possible. Our funding diagnostic is, while it's algorithmic, um, it seems a little algorithmic, it, it, it's, it's really important. So when we look at a deal, we obviously look at the problem, um, the ability for the entrepreneur to distill that problem down, and then how well they can validate the pain around that problem. Um, so how much does it hurt and how, me how many people does it hurt, right? So obviously very important, you know, with something like, like Uber, pretty, uh, pretty easy to understand the cost benefit as well as how big of a population that, that could actually pertain to. Uh, when we look at the solution, we try to figure out, can this entrepreneur repeat this solution, right? Do they have a playbook to be able to deliver this good or service or technology over and over again? Um, can they do this at scale? So have they gone through the steps to understand, you know, if this thing does hockey stick, they have the ability to, again, maintain that capacity and that deliverability at scale. Uh, obviously, we look at traction. Traction is just how do you quantify demand? How do you put a number around demand, whether it's users or channel partners or dollars in? Uh, investors always want to see businesses hockey sticking. I know it's a cliche term, but people want to see proof that strangers give a shit um, because you know it doesn't matter if your friends and family like it um, it really matters if strangers actually like what you're trying to, to put into the market the next is team and team can actually impact valuation um, so if you've got a team of serial entrepreneurs like myself and, and Will Schroeder and guys that we've worked with that have been involved in venture-backed companies and had some exits oftentimes that will drive valuation um, the other thing we look at on team is specific acumen to cause, right? So if you're doing something in cancer prevention, you know, it's a hope that you'd have an MD, PhD in some type of oncology, right? Uh, we look at social proof. Uh, social proof is who's around the deal or who's talked about the deal that matters. Um, this is a great way to short circuit the diligence process. It's the rubber stamp approval for investors. So if I go in and I'm starting a shoe company, and one of my lead advisors that signed on the dotted line is the current chief marketing officer for Nike has a big impact. Or if I'm doing a widget and it's gone gangbusters on Gizmodo and CNET and Core 77, people care about that. Third party validation and oftentimes those writers or those third party valid validation sources are trying to speak for the masses. And then we, have, we also look at use of funds. So we, we like to see that that entrepreneurs are out to chase down a specific milestone, whether it's <clears throat> through production, making X amount of widgets, or achieving some specific milestone, like I'm gonna have 10,000 users by X. So as we look at all of those different kind of variables within the algorithm, <clears throat> you kind of look at, one, all the boxes need to be checked in some capacity, right? 
And the second, are there any boxes that are just absolutely outstanding? So those outstanding boxes can sometimes change valuation a little bit like, okay, you've got two guys that have sold companies for $100 million on the team, or you've got the CMO of Nike in the deal, or these guys have 22,000 users in eight days. Um, so anytime you get, again, an exceptional box in, in that, that checklist, it does affect valuation. But beyond that, you are pricing yourself against the market. So if you're a software as a service company that's specifically doing Edutech in Northern Ohio, that came from Northern Ohio with, it, with an arm in New York, I would try to go see exactly how much money Decision Desk raised in the first round and the second round, get whatever intel I could on what valuation they raised, that which you, you know, often will take a substantial amount of digging and then price compare and see, you know, where does my house compare to their house, right? Um, so some of it's very much market driven and, and some of it's, uh, some of it, I, I hate to use the, the house analogy again, but some of it's the, what outstanding features the house may have. Yeah, very cool. I mean, that was incredibly yeah. thorough yeah. uh, kind Love of breakdown. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned launch rock before. And I wanted to, to find out a little bit more about how that deal came together for you guys. It seems from the outside um, like the perfect partner. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that came about. Well, I'll, I'll credit my, my partner and CEO, Will Schroeder, with, with getting that deal on our crosshairs. But, you know, we're all, we're all absolute serial entrepreneurs. And we say it as a joke, but our hobby is our work and our work is our hobby. This is kind of all we give a shit about is, is helping other startups start and grow. And between us, there, there are four founders of Fundable and four folks that kind of run the entire network of sites. We've done 30 startups. Um, four have been venture back. We've had five exits. We've been at this for a really long time. And being able to build a machine, as Will would say, that can build millions of smaller machines is absolutely our opus in this situation. And I, I want to take one second to kind of talk about what we see in market and what the big market problem is that we're going to spend the next you know, 10 to 20 to 30 years trying to solve. Um, here's what's going on. I mean, podcasts like yours fundamentally didn't exist 10 years ago. Okay. When, when, you know, we did an event in Columbus, Ohio, where Fundable sponsored Alex Ohanian to come in and speak on Ohio State campus. And if you would have done that when I was in college, five kids would have showed up. Well, 1,700 people showed up to go see this guy speak about entrepreneurship. You know, times are changing. Um, so there's, there's huge cultural, there, there's a lot of cultural momentum around becoming an autonomous entrepreneur. So on one side, you've got, holy shit, a bunch of people in the population actually care about becoming an entrepreneur. People want to escape the cube and chase down their idea. And then on the other side, you know, dating myself again here, but cost of prototype, you know, in the 90s was really expensive, right? So, you know, being able to code HTML or being able to code in general was like a dark art. Now, the ability to prototype, whether you're doing a widget using 3D printing or you're doing a web or mobile app and you're you know, outsourcing the development or finding somebody or learning PHP online, you can prototype pretty cheap. 
So the, the net result of that, you know, the two kind of confluence, the, 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 the two in-market factors is a shit ton of ideas, right? And, and a lot of good ideas too. But while you have all these great ideas, I would argue that there's very little parity between the volume and the quality of, of ideas and the services and opportunities for entrepreneurs. And I applaud you guys for, for, for doing exactly this and trying to, trying to bring folks like, you know, old weather folks like me out here to tell how many times they failed. But so what we're trying to do, guys, is we're trying to create a system that helps take entrepreneurs from that light bulb moment all the way to commercialization. Commercialization being, I'm doing $2.1 million in revenue, I'm gonna use fundable equity to engage investors for growth capital, right? Launch rock being, I've got an incredible idea, how do I acquire my first customers and gain some level of commitment? And we've got products that sandwich in between there as well. So by giving entrepreneurs some path and then some precedent going forward on, holy shit, I have a good idea, then what? is the huge, huge in-market problem we're trying to solve. And as I said, it may take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, who knows? But um, God willing, if we're healthy, we're gonna, we're gonna keep trying to chase this thing down and solve, solve that problem. So between those two ends of the spectrum, do you have anything that's launched or that you can talk about between idea and funding? We, we have a business planning product and we have a lot of professional services products as well. Um, so the, the neat thing about, and, and Fundable also does, you know, rewards-based crowdfunding. So you can, you know, you can go, and, and I can't name the product specifically, guys, but you can go out to market with LaunchRock very quickly, and you'll be able to do it even quicker, and you'll be able to do it even more effectively soon. Uh, not that it wasn't effective before. And you can validate your idea, and you can get your first customers, right? And then you can say, holy shit, people care, strangers care about this thing. You'll have a secondary product that will allow you to polish that idea, do some diligence, you know, understand how big that market really is, understand the cost of goods sold, and collaborate with your co-founders to develop kind of the business plan 2.0. And then through products like Fundable, you can actually take this thing out to market and start to grow the thing. And if you do have the ability to arc a little bit, Sometimes you're going to need cash, whether it's, it's debt or investors, and uh, that's where you can start to use fundable equity. I realize I'm being incredibly vague and ambiguous, and I'm doing it intentionally, but, <laughs> but the, the, the goal is, you know, it's, it's shore to shore, right? If, if you're on a, if you're on a boat, it's, it's a shore to shore solution that can take you all the way from light bulb moment, I thought of this thing nine seconds ago, to, okay, now I'm pitching, you know, three former guys from Bain Capital on how we can raise two million bucks. But as you guys know, um, if you say, if, if you like every other young person's gonna do or old person's gonna do, I have a great idea. If you go into the blinking cursor of Google and you type that in there, you're gonna either end up at sba.gov and it's gonna give you the VCR instructions on how to raise money um, I love S, you know, I love small business lending, but it's an, the, the instructions are an F. Um, or you're going to go down some rabbit hole of a bunch of big archaic ways around how to go to market, right? Um, th there, there should be a system, um, and I think we're trying to create a system. 
And because things, not to use buzzwords here, but because things are so incredibly social and connected, I think there's finally actually an opportunity to systematize this a little bit. There wasn't before, right? Because just not enough people were online and willing to trust and transact online, but we're kind of there. Yeah, absolutely. So to get through this roadmap, how do you guys decide what to build internally and what to acquire? It's a great question. Um, LaunchRock did something you rarely see any uh, you know web company do. You know they they, they cracked the Da Vinci Code. They created true viral organic growth. And you know to the founder's credit, um, Jameson Detweiler, it's a very very hard and rare thing to actually get done. So LaunchRock has almost, as you guys know, become like a speakeasy for entrepreneurs. You don't go online, you know, the internet is not plastered with LaunchRock ads. And if you're Googling, I have a great idea, you're probably not going to see LaunchRock come up. LaunchRock is, is, you know, Startup Weekend certainly has done a great job of distributing LaunchRock, being that LaunchRock was a Startup Weekend company. But beyond that, it's entrepreneurs that are distributing this LaunchRock product to other entrepreneurs. So when we can find incredible opportunities like that, um, we buy them, right? Because that's just an incredible, it's a really, really hard thing to duplicate. Um, but we've been churning out and building websites for so long that if we feel like it would be more advantageous from a resource perspective or a cost perspective for us to, to build it from scratch, we build it from scratch. So I guess the, the short answer to the long question is, you know, when we spot unicorns in our eyes, like LaunchRock, we will we will go try to try to get them in our, our stable. Um, but otherwise, we generally build ourselves. All right, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense, and it's actually interesting to think of from the opposite side too. When you're building a company to potentially be acquired, um, what? attributes do you want to have as a company so um yeah that that's really interesting to see from the inside so elliot thank you so much for coming on here um we really appreciate you sharing all of this knowledge with us um tell us where can we follow you and fundable online so as far as fundable goes i i think you know the fundable blog while it hasn't been uh, i'm not sure when the most recent update is, obviously with the acquisition of LaunchRock and we're doing some other really exciting things that you will hear about soon in market. We haven't had as much time as we, we'd like to to maintain the fundable blog, but um, follow us on, on Twitter. Um, obviously follow us and jump in on Facebook and then go to Fundable Proper to get a better idea of what we're doing. The good news is as these sites merge more and more, especially LaunchRock and Fundable, a lot of the content that we're gonna distribute uh, will be distributed to the entire population. And our content, and, and maybe this is coming up, maybe it's not, but it's no bullshit content. It's, you know, we've been there and done that, and, uh, and we are authentic in the fact that we want to help other entrepreneurs. So, and, and again, I hope that kind of comes off as we distribute content going forward, too. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you very much, and um, yeah, thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Elliot. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. 
If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Mm-hmm.